So for today, I'm going to dive into the book of Acts, Acts chapter 2. We've been in Daniel. I felt like talking some intense prophecies and some of this stuff might have been, it might have been a little bit too intense for our birthday celebration. And so we're changing gears today. And if you can look with me, if you have your Bible, in Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 2. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to skim through the entirety. I'm going to skip the, sec- the middle section of Peter's sermon. But I'm going to talk through Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 47, the front and the back end. So listen to what the Bible talks about this new Jesus movement. Jesus had just died on the cross. He rose again from the dead. And the disciples were instructed by Jesus, wait in Jerusalem until I pour out the Holy Spirit. And so it says in Acts chapter 2, verse 1, when the day of Pentecost had come, all of them were together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared tongues of fire distributing themselves, this tongue of fire, one tongue of fire, Spreading out. I find that interesting that it says it distributed itself. That means the fire started somewhere. It started with someone. So the question is, we wait for revival in a church. We pray for revival, but it has to start in one place. The fire did not suddenly flicker, lights on, everybody had their own flame. It distributed. That means it started with someone. I remember hearing about how the revivals in Korea, they call it the Pyongyang revivals. Over a hundred years ago, there was a group of Protestant Christians and the church was dying. But the Pyongyang revivals broke out when some of the elders of the church began to come forward and confess their sins. And as one by one, they brought out, you know, I've been struggling, I've done this wrong. And as as one by one, they began to confess The Spirit of God came like a fire on their head and then distributed and spread around. Friends, don't wait for revival. Let it start with you. Revival begins with you, not with the pastor, no. Not with the church at large. It begins with you, with your prayers, with your confessings, with your getting right before the Lord, the fire will distribute one by one and settle. Here at Woven, the last two years, you can ask any of our staff, Bobby or Ashley, we've been praying in our staff meetings for three things. The first thing we prayed for was a new location. Check that off the list. We're in a new place, and there's new things happening. And we're talking about moving into a new time slot here pretty soon, and all kinds of things are happening. New location. The second thing we prayed for was a new vision. New vision. You can check that off the list. We have something that we can rally around. What is our church's vision? What is our church's vision? You can see it on the front of your green bulletin. On the front of your bulletin, it says, Our vision is to be a diverse church community. And I'm going to talk a little bit about being a diverse church community, how hard that is. 
There are challenges. We thought that it would just be like the United Nations here. You just pour in a little bit of green, pink, yellow, black, white, orange, and all of a sudden we'll just mix. No. Nations don't mix. We don't blend into the melting pot. It doesn't happen that easily. So being a diverse church community, we'll talk about that, for the greater Houston metro area. Once again, our vision is not just for one localized neighborhood. Our vision is for all of Houston. That's why we're right here on Eldridge Parkway in the intersection between suburban and urban because we believe we have a gospel message that will speak to the whole sprawl of the city of Houston. And our vision is to desegregate Sunday, to desegregate Sunday, and to sanctify Monday to Friday. I met somebody in the hallway today who is a chaplain to the Houston Police Department, and we're talking about ways that we can get connected so we can talk to police officers. Because church is not about taking off who you are and on Sunday just showing up and being the Christian. Christian is who we are from Monday to Friday. And so this is important for us to talk about faith in our real world situations. And finally, how do we do this through insightful teaching, intentional discipleship, and holistic outreach? So this is our second prayer request. First, for a new location. Secondly, for a new vision. This is our vision. Scratch that off the list. But what do you think the third thing that the staff have been praying for? That third thing that we've been praying for is revival. Red, hot revival. Just like in the Pyongyang revivals back in the day when the church was flailing. But if you understand Korean history, it took off. Friends, what we need here at Woven is not better marketing or better search engine optimization or better reviews online. What we need is revival. And we need to pray in that direction. And so these tongues of fire distribute themselves. And what happens is these people in verse 4, the first Christians, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. I haven't spoken in tongues in a while, but friends, I am not close to it. I am ready. I'm ready for it. And it continues in verse 5. There were Jews living in Jerusalem, devout people from every nation under heaven. And when they heard the sound of all these people speaking out in tongues, the crowd gathered and were bewildered, each of them hearing these people, first Christians, talking in their own language. They were astonished and amazed, saying, these are Galileans, but we hear them speaking a language in our own language to which we were born. We Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, the districts of Libya around Cyrene, visitors from Rome, Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them in our own tongues speaking of the mighty deeds of God. Oh, friends, this ties directly back into the book of Daniel. Do you realize that? What is this a picture of? This is a picture of the Tower of Babel, where everybody gathered together and God scattered them to speak different languages, different languages, so that they couldn't organize and just do their little club thing. I was at, uh, when, I, when I was at Chick, there was a, a gathering. There was a gathering of people, of students. And I sat in this gathering. If somebody can hook me up with some water, that would be greatly appreciated. And as I sat in this gathering, I noticed you had 
different races and colors of people gathered around. There were the black kids, there were the white kids, there were the Hispanic kids. Thank you, my love. And then there were a group of kids, Korean kids. I won't say where they're from because this is being recorded. But we'll just say they're from the northeastern part of the United States. And these group of Korean kids were gathered around and they were kind of like, you know, like sitting there, you know, just doing their Korean thing, whispering to one another. And they were kind of doing their own, um, uh, gathered in, in amongst themselves almost, these Korean kids. And I looked at them and I was thinking to myself, I just want to give you guys a spanking. I just want to spread you out. If I could, I would change all of your languages so that this huddle of Korean kids just kind of doing their own thing and whispering to each other and speaking Korean to each other and just doing their Korean thing. I wish I could just scatter their tongues and, and, and create chaos and send them out into the world as missionaries. The Pyongyang revivals didn't happen so that we could form a Korean clique, friends. God is a missionary God. And so Babel, the Tower of Babel happened not so that we can gather around as a club, as a Korean club, or as an African-American club, or as a white club, and I saw this left and right at Chick, believe me, but so that we can go out. And friends, I think the story here about all of these languages now these Christians who start off in a circle, but their languages now, diversified, speaking different languages, are being sent out. I think what we're having here is a reversal of the Tower of Babel. No longer a club, but now all of these utterances so that we could go outside of our comfort zones and go cross-culturally and speak to people of different ethnicities and background and share the gospel and experience the oneness. If I can share one story. When I was uh, maybe Tuesday at Chick and uh, I came to the lunchroom and I got my lunch and I stood around and I felt like I was back in high school. And I felt the waves of insecurity and fear because there were the black kids around that table. There were the white kids around the table, the Asians over there, the Hispanics, and there were no seats left. And I remember thinking to myself, well, where am I going to sit? <laughs> Who's going to welcome me to their table? And then I realized, I'm the pastor. I can sit anywhere I want. And so I walked over to a table a black church from Atlanta. And I said, may I sit here? And they said, you sure can. And they pulled the chair out, and we sat down together, and they engaged me in conversation. They didn't leave me out. They made me feel like I was part of the family. You're afraid to go to somebody else's table, aren't you? Because you're afraid of rejection. We don't go to the other tables because we're afraid that we will be rejected. Friends, not only will you, be re not, only will you not be rejected, you will find that you have a new family with the people that are different from you. Why? Because the Holy Spirit lives in you, has given you utterance, 
My southern speak has improved in this last seven days. He will give you utterance to speak southern, to speak whatever language, to be able to speak into the language, and the people will accept you because the Holy Spirit lives in you. The Spirit lives in you. Don't be, the, don't be afraid to be the first one to sit at the Asian table. And by golly, I pray that those Asians will not only welcome you in, but will engage you and make you feel like you're part of the family. My black family in Atlanta, from then on, constantly greeting me, welcoming me. Don't be afraid to sit at a white table, because white folk need to experience this too. Don't be afraid to sit at the Hispanic table because you have been filled with the Holy Spirit and you've been given utterance to speak to them. In verse 12, they all continued in amazement and great perplexity, saying, what does this mean? But others were mocking and saying, they are full of sweet wine. Hopefully, that's not what they will say after the barbecue today at the Thomas's house. I'm going to pass over Peter's sermon. The reason being that in itself is a sermon in itself, so I'm going to skip down to verse 37. But let me just fast forward and tell you, in the interim, Peter preaches. And when he preaches, he delivers a sermon. My goodness. I mean, it's as if there were a silver bullet. If I could just deliver a sermon as good as Peter, maybe Woven Covenant Church will increase. I think it was, was it 3,000? Somebody help me. 3,000 or 5,000? Right? 3,000. Overnight. Here's the thing, friends. There is no silver bullet. There is no silver bullet. In fact, humanly speaking, I think I can preach a sermon as good as Peter. That sounds pretty cocky. But in full confidence, I know I can deliver a word as good as Peter. The question is, why does revival result after Peter preaches and 3,000 people come to, the, come, to, come to baptism and to know the Lord? Well, let's find out. In verse 37, it says, When they heard this, they were pierced to the heart. And they said to Peter and the rest, what shall we do? Friends, brethren, sermon listening is not a passive discipline. It is an active spiritual discipline. When you hear the word of God preached, the question then is what do I do with it? What shall we do is the question. And if we continue to hear the sermon without acting upon it, revival tarries. It doesn't come. Why? There's a story. There's a story that I've told before. And it's a story of a general. And this general, he, uh, you know, it's kind of like the Gladiator movie. I recently watched it. You know, he... He clangs the swords and he comes up front and he says, if you are riding through fields of green, you are in Elysium. You're dead already. Well, this general gives his best battle speech. And he talks about how the fruits of war result in 
Riches untold, but we have to charge. And so men and women, warriors, women warriors, we're charging now, we're going forward. And then he says, charge, and he runs forward, the general, and into a hail of bullets and gunfire, and he goes forward. And the rest of the soldiers say, that was a great talk. What did you think about it? I thought it was good. Well, great. All right, well, I'll see you later. And everybody goes home. Everybody goes back to their creature comforts and their pursuits. Oh, next Sunday, the general's back. The general's back. He comes back, and he comes, and he's bloody, and he's bruised, and the general says, it's a battle out there. And he says, friends, living for Jesus is hard. And he says, I'm tired. But it's winnable. We can do this. There is a mission out there, and I've seen there's a breach. We can go through, and once more, friends, into the breach. And the general says, charge! And he runs again into the hail of gunfire, into the breach. And then the soldiers, that was a good sermon. I rank it maybe a 90. Give it a B plus this time. And then they go back to their life and creature comforts, not acting on it. Friends, John Owen, the great theologian from the Puritan era, said, it is possible for you and I, having listened to so many sermons, but not having repented or done anything about it, it is possible for us, listen to this, to become sermon-proof and sickness-proof. It's possible for us to hear a silver bullet of a sermon delivered by a Peter, And yet for revival not to come, the Holy Spirit not to descend and not to multiply. Why? Because we have become sermon-proof and sickness-proof. Revival tarries because we do not act. We do not take the step and to say, I need to change. There are things that I need to confess. Revival, friends, is not something that we and the staff can programmatically organize. No. We can facilitate. But in the end, all of us, all of us, all of us have to pray for revival. And just as the Spirit descends in a flame of fire, it has to start with someone. Only then does that fire distribute. Do you get that? Who is that flame of fire going to sit on? Peter, is it you? Byron, is it you? Autumn, is it you? I'm picking on chick people. You came back with the flame of God in your life, right? You've got Andy Minio songs in your blood now and your king and country and all the worship songs and you're singing and you're crying. It's going to start somewhere. Right, Peter? Byron, Autumn? Only then does the flame distribute. It starts in one place. I'm going to wrap up here because I want to leave time for testimonies. So they say, brethren, what do we do? What do we do? And Peter says, repent, each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. Receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. My hope is here at Woven we can start baptizing a lot more people, more regularly. If you're seeking baptism, let me know. I mean, the water is right here. If you're seeking baptism, I want us to do it more, more frequently. Heck, we in the South now, I want to get my Baptist on. All right? Amen. 
We want to baptize people. And if you have not been baptized, we want to see that happening. In verse 40, with many other words, my goodness, this was probably the sermon that just went on and on and on. But with many words, he solemnly testified, kept on exhorting, saying, be saved from this perverse generation. And if you could see with me, 5,000 kids being saved from this perverse generation. They were continually devoting themselves. Let me back up. Verse 41, those who received the word were baptized, and that day added 3,000. I was correct, 3,000, not 5,000. But still, hey, that's revival. 3,000 souls baptized, saved. And this new community that would be called Christians, they gather together, listen to this carefully, verse 42, continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching. So this is the insightful teaching of our vision. And listen, they, they, they committed themselves to fellowship. Important word. Fellowship. There was a man who was struggling in his faith. I heard this conversation, I know, because it was me. I was struggling in my faith, and I asked an older man, and I said, I'm not sure what I need in this part of my life, in this time. I don't know what. He says, have you been going to fellowship? And my answer was, not really. I've, I've kind of been isolating. And he says, that's your problem. You're not connected. Fellowship. Well, we're just gathering together at the Thomases. We can skip that. No. You can't skip that. Why? Because you need that. Two hours at church on a Sunday morning is not enough to sustain you from this perverse generation. It's the fellowship that strengthens you, the encouragement. And brothers and sisters, I don't want you just to go to church and just to kind of do the small talk. Go deep. That's the purpose of our noonday examines this Wednesday in the Med Center. The purpose is to go deeper. I am struggling. I'm experiencing gratitude and joy, consolations and desolations. There's a lot more to talk about than just the Texans or the Astros. So fellowship. And, you know, I'm going to pass this. There's so much to talk about. Just that one word. Share. Sharing. Fellowship is about sharing. Two last things and I'll wrap up. They devoted themselves to fellowship. They devoted themselves to the breaking of bread. The breaking of bread. Eating together. There's a difference between isolation and solitude. Don't isolate yourself. That's the negative. That's the worst of the two. And then finally, they devoted themselves to prayer. And I think I'm going to end on that note. They devoted themselves to prayer. Prayer and revival go together like peas and carrots. You're feeling dissatisfied with the church? Pray harder. You're feeling inner conflict? Fight on your knees. You're struggling through? Pray it to resolution. That song that you started singing, Pastor Bobby, This Is How We Fight Our Battles, 
This is how we fight our battles. With prayer. With song. Fight through it with prayer. Revival is on the other corner, around the corner. And at Kingdom City, I know I've mentioned this once, we are moving to the place now where we're talking about starting up a Wednesday night prayer meeting. You need to be there. And we are looking for prayer coordinators from Woven. That sanctuary is set to be completed within the next month or so. What we need is for Woven to be present on Wednesday nights, participating with our Hispanic, black, white, Indian, Telugu, etc., with our brothers and sisters praying. So, if you have a heart to be involved as a coordinator on Wednesday nights, or even if not as a coordinator, you say, I'm going to commit my Wednesday night to pray, that's where it will start. Let's do this together. And finally, everyone kept feeling a sense of awe. Promise, I close on this. Everyone feels a sense of awe in verse 43. Never forget how we planted this church. Never forget, friends, day one when we started this church, how discouraged we were. Never forget how all of our faces were downcast as we faced the possibility of having to bury a newborn. newborn. And then the following Sunday, all of us looking around, blinking, completely blown away. What is God doing as it turns out that this newborn not only rallied, but resurrected from what seemed to be death? By the second Sunday, this church started with a sense of awe. My prayer is that this, our fourth birthday, there must be some meaning to that fourth, maybe fourth cycle, whatever it is, but that this would be the moment of awe, feeling a sense of awe. And now how should we transition? Because I feel like we need to kind of get into it. Let's do this a little bit. If you can close your eyes, I'm going to invite the worship team back up. And I want to implore you, this is a perfect day to do it, to pray for God's church, to pray for Kingdom City, to pray for Woven. What I love about the Kingdom City arrangement, even as I was hearing from our Hispanic brothers and sisters, I hope I'm not making a mistake by sharing this, but they had the money to buy their own facility. They had the money to purchase their own acreage and to do their own thing. They could have done their own church and built their own empire. They could have built their own kingdom. But they put that money, just like the early disciples did, into a pot. That's what koinonia means. It's not just sharing of fellowship, but of economic goods. And they poured their money and said, I'm not going to build my kingdom. This is not going to be Pastor Bob or Pastor Joe or Pastor Lee or Pastor Wayne's church. It's not going to be Wayne Park on the marquee. In fact, it's not even just going to be woven on the marquee. It's going to be the kingdom of God. Something bigger than us. Now, I don't think God is saying to obliterate woven's identity. 
Because just like the Trinity, the united God is most glorified when the individual persons of the Trinity are most honored. When Jesus the Son is praised, when the Holy Spirit is present, and the Father God is loved and, and, and present, then the unity of the body is felt. So friends, I invite you to pray for Woven at this time. In our particularity, God honors our unique vision, but pray for this larger kingdom that we're a part of. And friends, confess, let's confess as well to one another. Let's commit that this fifth year of Woven's existence, we are not gonna sit on the surface anymore. We're gonna go deeper. We're gonna eat together more. We're going to go to somebody else's table more and sit down and say, can you welcome me in? And we're going to say, heck yeah, you're going to be part of my family. So friends, let's pray together now. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we lift up a prayer for this kingdom, your kingdom. And we pray, Lord, for the work that you are doing there, Lord Jesus. So, Lord, I pray that you would awaken the sleepy elements. Lord, break the shyness. Cut through the bondages. Take us to the next level, I pray. So, at this time, I'd like to open up the floor. This being our fourth birthday, maybe you'd like to share. And if you'd like to share, don't keep me standing here. Just share about how Woven has blessed you and how you see the kingdom of God at work. So I'll open the floor right now. The mic is right here. My name is Esther, and I've been attending uh, Woven with my husband about two years. And I moved to Houston because I got married to Larry. There's my handsome husband over there with my baby Benjamin. 
um, when I was in Korea, I had such a good, like, a strong community. I was on praise team, and um, most of my uh, praise members, they're expats. So we spent a lot of time together. We practiced together, we served together, we did small group together, we prayed together, extra like prayer sessions and stuff. So later we became really close friends. So a lot of my friends, they moved back to the States and they struggled with like finding a good communities. So I already knew that I would have like in you know, a hard time finding a good strong community because of like, you know, what my friends went through. But I didn't expect that like, I wouldn't have a community at all. At all, Because uh, first few months in Houston, uh, Larry and I would attend the First Baptist Church. Church was great, but it was so big and it was really hard to get plugged in and then uh, and, um, found a community. Uh, my friend Chung, um, who, went, uh, who went to Chicago to spend time with her brother, during Christmas and her brother asked um, my friend whether Larry and I we found a church and a community and she said no and because she, she knew my situation like you know how much I struggle because I complain so much during the time Larry can tell you how much I complain I need a community like you know I knew that I would struggle but I didn't know that like I wouldn't have a community at all and I, I give him a hard time sorry honey and so her brother, who knows Pastor Wayne, recommend us to check out Reuven. So okay, fine, you know, Larry and I, we just decided to, okay, why not, right? We came here. And before we came here, I didn't expect that I would have a community that I had in Korea. So maybe just, I will know, I'll make some friends. But God was gracious. And I made a lot of good friends here. And it was like in you know, a gift from God. Um, you guys show me so much love, like you know, before and after Benjamin was born. And I had a family who I could uh, ask for prayers during my labor. You guys pray for me and Benjamin, and you guys visit me in the hospital and brought some food for us when I was recovering from my labor. Um, through the love and the support that I received from you guys, I prayed I would do the same thing or more for you guys and a future like Uven family members and for people who don't know the Christ. I love you guys so much and thank you. Take care of me too when my baby comes. Right? <laughs> Step forward into the light. Hi everyone. Um, so I, when I first moved to Houston, I was church hopping, and I didn't want to be too involved with the church. I just I knew that my faith had to grow somehow. Um, but when I started attending, back then it was Harvest. Sloven. Um, the two things that brought me back was the community there and Pastor Wayne's sermons. So that brought me back. And soon after that, when we, we became woven, I was given the opportunity to 
praise and worship with Bobby. And I think through that, that was a blessing from God that he, he helped me grow my gifts and share that with others. And he helped me be brave because probably back then I would not stand up here and, and talk um, or even stand up there to sing. Um, and Crystal and I, I think it was last year, we got the opportunity to even um, lead. So I think God has really woven, through woven, God has really helped me to be brave, to be to be strong, and he helped me find my husband. That's right. And now we have a baby on the way, so there's just a lot of great things, a lot of benefits that I realize and um, the commitment that I've made um, to a church that I feel like when you plant yourself in the house of the Lord, there are a lot of great things that come out of it. That's my story, and I encourage you guys to also share your story with us. Who's next? (laughs) Thank you. Sometimes these uh, boats, they have little holes in them, and, uh, well, they start sinking, you know, because of woven, each uh, person who has given me consideration, put their finger in each one of these holes, helped me stay afloat, and I really appreciate that, and uh, I'm glad woven is here, uh, I'm just built like a small boat, some of us are ships, uh, like uh, this ship right here, takes care of all of woven. Maybe one day I can be like a ship as well. Uh, Thank you. Camp people, your turn is coming. In, In a couple of Sundays, we'll have Camp Sunday. that many of us have in common here at Woven is that we didn't grow up here. We are transplants to the city of Houston and my family were transplants here and I am not by nature comfortable with change and moving and meeting new people. Um, I don't know how well that adjustment would have gone for me if we had not found Woven. You all have been my lifeline. I have better friends in this room and in our extended family in this church than I've ever had in my life. And I'm so thankful that God planted us here. Um, He knew that at the end of last summer, we were going to go through Harvey as a family. 
And I think he put us in the exact right place to where our church family would be there for us and have all of our needs met through his grace and his glory. Thank you for being his hands and his feet. last song. Listen, I know we have an offering and a tithe, but I can feel the spirit moving. As we sing this last song, yeah, reach out, grab the hands of the person on your left and your right. Because hey, if we're not, if we're afraid to touch each other, we're not a family yet. And so grab the hand of someone near you and let's sing this last song together. your hand out. We're going to say a blessing for Wogan today. So hold your other hands up and point it outwards. In two weeks at summer camp, they're going to be doing this on their own because they're worshiping God. And this church will glorify God just like these little ones will worship God on their own. And what's going to happen, friends, is it's going to be worth it. As I drove 16 hours with Byron all the way out to Tennessee, I asked myself, do I really want to do this? No. It was worth it. As you give yourself, it'll be worth it. And so at this time, let's hold those hands up high because we're blessing these folks. We bless you in the name of the Lord. May you know the love of God the Father. May you see in front of you 5,000 hands lifted up, giving themselves to the Lord, and in two weeks, 200 small children giving themselves to Jesus. Picture it. Feel it. And then say, so will I. It'll be worth it. It'll be worth it. And may you give yourselves to the Lord because you have not yet given, even to the point of death. We're shedding our blood. May we give in our marketplace, at home, to our children. Don't lose heart. Don't be discouraged. May you give to the world a billion souls who need to hear. And may woven shine continually as a light to the world. Receive that blessing now in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Let's say together, friends. Amen. Go in peace and go to the barbecue. Thank you.